I literally switched churches about a year ago. And I only switched because they changed their communion makers to thin mints. Wow, that's deep. <laughs> Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. They'll be talking truth about the Bible and life. Now let's join Brian for today's look at God's Word, followed by conversation and a little fun with Brian, Dan, and today's guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. Now, here's Brian. What if I was to tell you that on the day I got married, the thing I was most excited about was obtaining a marriage license. All my life, what I wanted was to hold a marriage license in my hand, right? So I'm guessing no one is buying what I'm selling. The marriage license was the last thing on my mind on our wedding day. I was entering into a lifelong relationship with the girl of my dreams. I couldn't have been more excited about it. That's what mattered to me. And so it should be with our relationship with God. Marriage is a picture of the relationship God wants to have with us. Salvation is not a ticket to heaven. It's the invitation into a love story. In our study, we've covered about 23 years of the life of Abraham and Sarah so far. They've made a few bad decisions, but for the most part, they have demonstrated a remarkable commitment to trust God by faith. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. So for 23 long years, they have waited for God to fulfill that promise. Their faith grew weak after 10 years, and they made a poor choice to take matters into their own hands and produce a son through a slave girl named Hagar. But God was clear that was not his plan. So they again committed themselves to trusting God and waited another 13 long years. At this point, the New Testament tells us that Abraham and Sarah were as good as dead in terms of their ability to conceive a child. Their biological clock had stopped ticking. Now their only chance was a miracle from God. That's where we pick up the story in Genesis 17. Abraham was 99 years old when God appeared to him again. He assured Abraham that he was the Almighty God. The Hebrew is El Shaddai. He would keep his promise. Then God explained again his desire to see Abraham trust him and walk in relationship with him. God was not saying that Abraham had to perform in some way to earn the promise. In chapter 15, God had already made it clear that Abraham was declared righteous because he believed. Abraham was right with God by faith, not works. God was explaining to Abraham how he wanted him to live out this covenant relationship. God wanted Abraham to trust him and obey him. God told Abraham to walk before me. This again takes us back to Genesis 3 and Adam and Eve walking with God in the garden in the cool of the day. God wanted to enjoy a relationship with Abraham. Think, for example, of marriage. Is the goal of marriage to possess a marriage license? Of course not. It's about sharing a life together. But for that to work, the marriage covenant must be taken seriously. What do you suppose would have happened if, after I got married, I still kept dating other girls? 
Or what if I always hung out with my buddies and completely ignored her? I'm thinking that's not going to work out too well. For a marriage covenant to be taken seriously, certain changes are necessary to make the relationship work. These are not burdensome rules, but rather what's necessary for the marriage to flourish. This is what God is saying to Abraham. For Abraham to flourish with God, he must trust him and obey him. Marriage isn't just about obtaining a marriage license, and salvation isn't just about obtaining a ticket to heaven. In both covenants, the joy is in the relationship. This is followed by God establishing circumcision as the sign of the covenant. This is about the time when the average person reading the Old Testament says, I'm sorry, what? It sounds crazy to us, but it's really not so crazy. Let me explain. The promise to Abraham was that in his old age, God would give him a son with Sarah. This son would be the descendant through whom the world would be blessed. But this would not come through human effort. Abraham and Sarah were now too old for that. Therefore, the removal of the flesh of the foreskin from the man's reproductive organ was symbolic of the fact that no human flesh could fulfill this promise. It would require a miracle from God and a belief that God would keep his promise. Of course, Jesus would eventually be the promised one who would come through the line of Abraham. Jesus would die on a cross in our place to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. We can't save ourselves in our flesh, so we remove our flesh, meaning our good works and human effort, and trust God to save us through Jesus. So the sign of the covenant was ultimately a picture that God would do for us what we can't do for ourselves by sending Jesus to be our Savior. We believe, and God credits it to our account as righteousness. While this still may seem very odd to us today in a modern culture, the symbolism of what God was wanting to communicate is very clear. God would do the work, and we rest in what he has done. This was true in the Garden of Eden, in the Ark of Noah, and now in the circumcision of Abraham. This was God's unfolding plan through the ages to make a way for you to live in relationship with him forever. Not merely a ticket to heaven, but a covenant relationship, a love story, the greatest love story of all time. Let's bring in Dan and Nat. Let's talk about this. So I'm guessing you both sit and admire your marriage licenses every day, right? <laughs> where Matt? is it? <laughs> I'm sure I saw yours hanging on the wall yeah. of your office, yeah, didn't I? I have not, yeah, I don't know where that thing is. <laughs> right? I, I hope I'm actually married. <laughs> yeah, right. The so, only thing I remember staring at was on the honeymoon. Right. Uh, my wife put out a please disturb sign. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you did. <laughs> so so how, how many Christians... Do you think view their faith as a ticket to heaven? And then they're right back to trying to do good works to impress God and missing the whole point is a relationship. 
a lot of them, they go for the religion aspect of it and not the the relationship with Jesus aspect of it, which is by far the main aspect of it. Right. You know, it's like the people, it's it's like they try to, they try to keep laws. You know, it's nice to, you know, I mean. It's nice to have a box you check yes, off and say, look, I did these things. Absolutely. But that's not the way it works. You're going to sin every day. You're not going to be able to do that. And just doing religious things isn't the ticket. The ticket is uh, following Jesus and putting your faith in Christ, not not religion. Yeah. So, I mean, the question is, though, like, oh, how do we correct this? Because I think Dan's right. There's a, a good many people today who have been, I think, sold or told that this is just a one-way ticket to heaven. It's this kind of easy believism, check a box, raise a prayer, ask Jesus into your heart, and don't worry about it afterwards. But that's not really the gospel message. The gospel message, yes, is that salvation is free. It's a gift. But I have to think it's kind of one of the most expensive gifts you'll ever receive because it radically transforms your life. And Jesus said, follow me. That's a cost. There is something dramatically different about a relationship versus a ticket. Right, but I think you should be clear with the people listening. It does dramatically change your life, but it doesn't do it, and sometimes it doesn't do it overnight. Rarely. You have to get in God's word and let him teach you mm-hmm. and let him let him fill you with his spirit. Because, you know, I listen to like, for instance, uh, Greg Laurie, the great evangelist Greg Laurie. Mm-hmm. You know, he said when he got saved when he was 17 years old back in the 60s, he didn't really feel anything. He just, mm-hmm. you know. And then through time, it just all of a sudden things started changing for him. Mm-hmm. So I think we should make that clear with people. I mean, because some people go, well, nothing happened. I knew this was, that's not how it works. Yeah, it's a process. And it's an intentional process and a work of the Holy Spirit. And, and that's, that's where people need to both relax on one side, realize it is purely a gift. It is purely the work of God. We can't save ourselves. There's no amount of boxes we can check, services no. to go to, money to give, you know, communion to take, whatever it is, there's nothing we can do. And on the flip side, we know that saving faith works, right? There's this outflow. We talked about in a past episode, uh, the loving expression of our gratitude is our transformation. It's leaning into the process that the Holy Spirit wants to do to transform us to be more and more like the image of his son. So how do you, I mean, how do you balance out that message so it's accurate, but also they understand that it isn't just a one-way ticket to heaven, Brian? How, how, do, you, how do you communicate that? Well, I think one thing that's worth thinking about is I think we confuse people by how we share the gospel. Hmm. It's common that it's one, two, three, say the prayer, hmm. and you'll go to heaven. Right. As a matter of fact, that's a really common language that the point is going to heaven. Mm-hmm, so right. we've made it sound like this is a ticket to heaven, and as a result of that, then I'm duty-bound mm-hmm. to follow the rules and do as I'm told, which then drifts into legalism and a very unpleasant relationship. So again, if you take it back to marriage, is the point of marriage to have a marriage license or is it to enter into the relationship? So mm-hmm. even how we present the gospel needs to be more clear. This is the basis by which we can stand right before a holy God in order to have a relationship with mm. him, which is what he wants. Right. I like that. Instead of, you know, the license, it, the marriage and the relationship is the important part of it. That's good. 
Hmm. It's oh, good, thanks. Brian. <laughs> you should do this. Man, you two are really good. <laughs> you should right? do this for a long time. And well, and I, I had a little note here, and that's I mean, look at our world today. Look at the United States today. I mean, how broken the American family is, you know, it's because they're not following they're not following what God tells us what a marriage is. Right. Nowadays, it's like marriage is just like something we do. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get married for a couple of years, and then I'm going to, you know, people don't understand how hard it is on the kids and how mm. it's horrible, you know. And, you know, what caused all of it is a no-fault divorce. <laughs> right. You know, no-fault divorce. It, it ruined everything. I mean, mm. nobody's faithful to anybody. You just go into it. Hey, if it doesn't work out, I'll just. It's very selfish of people because mm. especially people that have children, mm. it's very selfish. Well, I'm not enjoying this anymore and I'm not. And not worrying about the kids at all. You mm. know, it's, I mean, I've seen people get divorced over the dumbest things. <laughs> so they did. Did they really love each other to begin with? Mm. I mean, it's it's really sad what's happening to America because the thing that makes this country strong is our families is is the family unit and the more we don't have good family units and we get away from what God tells us marriage is I mean hence goes everything else and you, okay I don't know if it was profound but what you said there was like really 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 good uh, <laughs> it really was you know you're coming about did they ever really love that spouse in the first place I mean that like like that's kind of like a shockwave statement. I think it's kind of true when we when we think about the marriage relationship and our relationship with God. There's a lot of people. I mean, Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists of all time. I mean, he delivered the the gospel to a million people at one point in one event. But yet, Billy Graham, their association, did a follow-up survey, found out that one out of 13 actually stuck with the faith. One out of 13 who raised their hands and said, yes, actually were following Jesus. And one of the reasons why they said was there was no follow-up. There was no discipleship. There was no process of walking through, not legalism, not checking off the boxes, but kind of what you're talking about. It's like it's a process. It's not a one, two, three, check the box and get your taken off you go. There's this process. I mean, even think about Jesus interacting with the rich young ruler. What must I do to be saved? Give me the boxes. Do this. Check. Do this. Check. So you know, sell all your possessions and follow me. And he walked away sad. Jesus could have said, "Just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Come on back. Come on. Just just say the prayer. We're good." But that's not what he does. He lets the man walk off quite sad. And I think a lot of us are so quick to get people to say yes to Jesus rather than helping them really wrestle through what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That changes everything. It goes from the license the marriage license, to relationship, Help, helping people, as Dan put it, really love that person. So think about when you got married. It's like I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Oh, I'd never been married before. Yeah. I didn't even realize how selfish I was till I got married. Mm. And I think I still didn't really understand that until we had children. Mm. So it's a process of growth, which is, again, a good picture of discipleship. Mm. is you enter into that covenant relationship with God, but it is a process of learning what does that mean, what does it mean to be obedient and to follow, and and to really experience the relationship that God offers. Mm. Absolutely. Well, not to change the subject, 
But to change the subject. On a scale of 1 to 10, how pretty do you think Hagar was? (laughs) I mean, (laughs) the name Hagar isn't even an attractive name. Yeah, he must have called her something else. Well, I mean, you think about nowadays, modern times. Hey, Gertrude. What's her name? I'm going to set you up on a blind day. Her name's Hagar. Right. You know what I mean? That's dork. That's got to elicit some sort of a, Mm. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. You know, I, we'd have to ask an ancient Egyptian. On what would you? One, who would you rather date, Chloe or Hagar? Oh wow, <laughs> right. that's I'm all I'm saying. Out of that one. Well, let me ask you this: Is that circumcision today? Obviously, circumcision today is that more for a medical reason, or are we doing that today as, as a symbolic symbol. of symbolic of the promise? So I think today it's for medical purposes. We're no longer looking for the coming of the Messiah. Yeah, but do you think, though, that that's just carried on throughout time, and then all of a sudden it would come to the West, and so they've changed it to, like, health? I think today circumcision is for health. Okay, for health. for spiritual reasons. Right. But the New Testament talks about uh, circumcised heart. Right. So it goes to the idea that I can't in my flesh— make myself acceptable to God. And that was that was at the core of that, that it requires God to do something for me. But but there's so much great symbolism that God uses. Like circumcision, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things you're like, uh, I don't get it, but okay. But it was symbolic, you know, the circumcision of the heart. Baptism, symbolic of our death, burial, and resurrection with Jesus Christ. Taking of communion, breaking of the bread, drinking of the wine or the grape juice. Again, we're we're remembering. I'm thankful that God has given us so many opportunities to remember what he's done. That this was one more way for them to be thinking forward, to remember of God's faithfulness. And you were seeing it carried out physically through that action, but ultimately, even in Abraham, saved by faith, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Yeah, so to believe the promise is to remove the possibility of saving myself in the flesh hmm. and acknowledging this will have to be a miracle from God. You know, I actually, you were talking about just uh, symbolic it reminded me that I actually, this is how much I am addicted to sugar. And I know this is off topic. I literally switched churches about a year ago because the church, and it's a further away from where I live, and I only switched because they changed their communion wafers to thin mints. (laughs) Wow, that's deep. That's that's how addicted I am to sugar. I just wanted to say, since we're talking about symbolism. (laughs) All right. Okay, listen, this... I want to let everybody know, we're just here trying to let you know that uh, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship in Jesus Christ. And we we bring out these verses on the these people that are in the Hall of Fame just to let you know you're not alone. These people had the same problems. They fell. They got back up. They listened. They disobeyed. There were consequences. In the end, they stayed faithful and God did amazing things. This can happen in your life as well. Hopefully, this is bringing a whole different insight. We have Brian, who's an unbelievable theologian, and then we have Nat that comments on things, who's also very wise and schooled in this. And then you got me, I'm just a regular guy, and I'm, you know, just uh, 
trying to bring a little humor into things. God's given everybody a sense of humor. And when you study the Bible, you don't have to just, um, you know, you don't have to be a stiff to study the Bible. You can have fun while you learn. And that's what we're trying to get across to everybody today. You know, God is amazing. Christ is amazing. Just dump the religion and follow him, and uh, you will be amazed by it as well. That's my two cents. Thanks for listening to Talkin' Truth. Brian and Dan will be back soon with more episodes, so be sure to subscribe. Today's powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit. Get it done.